All right, would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Lord, grant that this morning you would speak through your word. That your word, as becomes it, would not be bound, but this morning be preached to the joy and edifying of your holy people. So that in steadfast faith we may serve you. And in the confession of your name, remain until the end. your name we pray. Amen. This next section that we're in today in Psalm 91, that's, it's one of my favorite sections of the psalm. It's probably one of the, the portions of Scripture I, I have used over and over again when I visited shut-ins or people going in for surgery or, or people who are just in the hospital. A, a text that I keep going back to, and it, it brings vivid images to me from my childhood. One of them is, remember when uh, the old Allstate insurance commercials? And they'd have these two big hands on the screens. Now I'm dating myself. I don't think they do this anymore. But they'd have a house or a family in the hands. And the commercial said, you're in good hands with Allstate. Well, this has a better promise than that. Of course, the, uh, the, other, the other story that it makes me think of is it, it, this. Whenever I read this text, I can't help but think of my theological interview In my fourth year at the seminary, you know, that's where four professors sit down and grill you for an hour and a half on any theological question they want to ask, and everything was going along fine, and Professor Eichmann said, Wayne, give us a practical example of the doctrine of angels. Can you repeat the question? Give us a practical example of the doctrine of angels. My mind went blank. And finally, Professor Eichmann just laughed and he said, Wayne, guardian angels. Think about that. Every time I, I hear these words, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Now, as I was thinking about this text and thinking about that event, I realized something that as I got ready today that I'm not the first one whose faith was challenged using the words of this text. In fact, I'm in pretty good company. Because Satan used these words to challenge Jesus. It was his temptation. Want to look it up? Look up Matthew 4. Look up Luke 4. It was there. The, uh, he, he, he gave his... He, he, the, the, the devil came to Jesus. Remember, Jesus had been out of the wilderness and he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the text says he was hungry. And so, so the devil starts out by taunting Jesus with his hunger. Well, if you are the Son of God, why do this to yourself? Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus didn't even flinch. He answered in chapter and verse in the book of Deuteronomy. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, Satan changes his text. Almost as if, well, if Jesus is going to use scripture, I'll use scripture. And so he takes him up to the highest point of the temple. And they're standing on the pinnacle of the temple, and there's a sheer drop at that time, 450 feet down to the hard, rocky surface of the Kidron Valley. And Satan 
throws Psalm 91 right in Jesus' face. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now, what's wrong with that? I mean, he's Satan quotes Scripture. He's just challenging Jesus to believe God's promise, right? Well, not exactly. He only quotes Scripture so far. In fact, Satan purposely leaves off four words. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And he leaves off in all your way. See, those four words complete the promise. They tell us exactly what God is promising. Satan wants Jesus to forget. He wants you and me to forget. That what God is promising is to perfectly protect us as we go about our daily, normal lives. He's promising that in our normal walk with God, that, you know, when we send our kids to school and they're separated from us, we got angels are there with us. And when you and I are Grocery shopping. Even in the middle of the pandemic, we're surrounded by his angels. That when we're not in control, when we're under anesthesia, and the doctor's in control, that God has our back. That God is with us and watching over us and taking care of us. That God is blessing us, keeping us in his word. Friends, jumping off a cliff is not the same. Jumping off a cliff is not the same as walking, daily walk with God. Taking a swan dive from the top of the temple is not normal. Now, you need to know, Satan doesn't expect Jesus to jump. He doesn't expect you to take a flying leap off the cliff. No, what Satan's trying to do is, the devil's real goal is to plant tiny seeds about God's promise. That's what he's promising. Planting those tiny seeds. See, the devil to win doesn't need to get Jesus to jump. He just needs to get him to jump. He gets he needs to just, if he can get Jesus just to waver for a second, for Jesus to wonder, is God really going to take care of me? Well then, then he's won. Then Jesus isn't perfect anymore. 
then Jesus is not is 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 not fit to be our Savior. If Jesus, you get Jesus to, to doubt for just a second, then Jesus isn't the Son of God. He's not the perfect Savior. Then he's nothing more than just another fallen human being beset by doubts, beset by fears, another human being asking him the question, does God really mean what he's promised? Folks, he works the same as human beings. He's not out to get us to jump off a cliff. He's not out to get us to um, to, to take a flying leap. He wants he us out again. to question, to doubt, to wonder. He wants us, when our child gets sick, to think, God, aren't you going to take care of my kid? He wants us worried and fearful as we walk through the grocery store. He wants to take that motherly care and turn it to motherly worry. He wants to take godly concern for your parents' health turn it into devilish distress. His desire is to get us in our minds asking ourselves, am I really in God's hand. Thank God that Jesus never yielded to that temptation. Jesus refused all of Satan's little doubts. All of them. He believed that the angels were guarding. He believed that they would lift him up. And because he believed, he felt not one scintilla of need to try and prove it. He had no need to jump off that cliff in order to prove to himself or prove to God that God would keep his promises. He won by just standing there and trusting God's word. And he did it again on the cross. Remember? You know, I, I don't know if you realize that, that it was at, on the cross when Jesus was at his most vulnerable. Suffering, in pain, the devil came back. And he used the same temptation that he'd used before. This time, this time he used the people that were standing around the cross. Do you see it? Those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. This time it wasn't, if you're the Son of God, leap from the temple. This time, if you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. Prove it to us. Prove that he's going to take care of you. Well, Jesus refused again. He stayed there on the cross. 
He could have come down. Even in the moment of deepest distress, even in that moment when he cried out, why have you forsaken me? Even then, Jesus still trusted. Jesus still called out, my God. My God. He said no to the temptation. He stayed there on the cross. He paid the price. Even in death, it was, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. And the Father kept his promise. Three days later, he raised Jesus from the dead. He raised Jesus victorious. He raised Jesus triumphant. But Pastor Braun, I'm not Jesus. I have doubts. I have questions. I know you do. So do I. We're like the parishioner who texted his pastor and said, I'm scared. Do you have a Bible verse that, that, that I could, would help me? Well, Pastor wrote back Psalm 23. That's a, that's a great verse. Helps sometimes. Sometimes it just helps to, to be a sheep and let Jesus be the shepherd. Sometimes you just got to trust him. So the parishioner wrote back and he said, Lately I don't feel like a very good sheep. And do you understand what that parishioner was saying to his pastor? He was saying, I'm not sure God will keep his promise to me. With my weak faith, can I be sure? Doesn't doesn't God keeping his promises depend on me trusting him? Doesn't it depend on how strongly I cling cling to him? Shouldn't I by faith be more deserving in order for God to keep his promises to me? I'm, I'm weak. I have doubts. Folks, it seems like it ought to work like that. Thank God it doesn't. If God keeping his promises depended on you and me and how strongly we trusted him, none of his promises would ever be kept because you and I fall short every time. No, God's promises are not based on how well we believe them. They are not contingent on how strongly we deserve them. They are not strongly we cling to them. They are not dependent on you and I deserving God to keep his promises. Do you know what makes God's promises true for you? Jesus. They're true because he believed them. They're true because he clung to 
to those promises. They're true because standing in our place, He deserved those promises to be kept. You know, I love the exchange between that parishioner and his pastor. The parishioner saying, I I don't feel like a very good sheep lately. And the pastor texted back, we never do. We never are. Sometimes we're just more aware of it than at other times. Thank God that God's love for us doesn't depend on how lovable we are. Thank God that God's faithfulness to His promises doesn't depend on how faithful we are to trusting in Him. Thank God that Jesus was on that cross saying no to temptation, trusting those promises, winning the victory so that you and I could have the confidence that God's promises are true. He was there dying for worrying sinners, dying that we doubters might be forgiven and justified in His sight. Dying that we might know that even on those days when we're full of doubt, He's still watching over our kids. He's still marching beside us in the grocery store. He's still taking care of us in surgery. It doesn't depend on us. In Him we are more than conquerors. So, he says, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread, I love this, you will tread on the lion and the otter, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. I don't know if you caught that, but there are two different words for lethal lions used there in the text. There are two different kinds of snakes that are talked about there. In other words, as we go through life, yeah, sometimes it's a pandemic, sometimes it's work trouble, sometimes it's marriage trouble, sometimes it's something else that's going on in our life. We face all sorts of challenges, and the walk, and the danger, and the challenges for each one of us is different, and yet in all of them, we tread and trample. Now that word tread, that doesn't mean you hop out of the way in fear because you saw a snake. No, that word tread means you take your foot and you bring it down hard on the snake's head. The word for trampling is even harsher. He says you trample lethal lions under your feet and kill deadly snakes. That's our new life in Christ. Folks, even on those days, when you can't see the hands of God, or you don't feel those hands, or you're wondering if God is taking care of you, know this. He is. That's the great assurance here. 
that in all and in spite of all our doubts and worries, God's promises are still true. And through it all, you and I are in His good hands. Amen? Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.